Welcome to The Intuitive Customer, where we discuss how you can improve your customer experience and your bottom line by embracing behavioral economics. And now, here are your hosts, world-renowned thought leader on customer experience, Colin Shaw, and Professor Ryan Hamilton from Emory University. Give some thought to what would it be that would make your tribe up? You know, what are the things that you want to be what are the things that you need to be the same? What are the shared interests? What are the lifestyles? What are the habits that people have? How can you become a kindred spirit? And how can you enhance all of that, start to put that out as your brand, and therefore get people to start to recognize that and join the tribe? Tribes are kind of groups of people that are similar in some way or that are connected in some way and they can be formal so one form of a tribe might be the you know the nationality or race or ethnicity that you belong to those are all tribes but they can also be kind of informal so i think you're right that apple users can be kind of a tribe and one of the songs that they sing at the ground is we are Millwall, super Millwall. No one likes us, we don't care. (laughs) (laughs) So Ryan, I don't know if you know, but I like Apple. Did you know that? I hadn't heard this before. Are you talking about apples, the food? You just like eating apples. (laughs) Is that the news? (laughs) Apple pie, apple crumble. No? Yeah, no. So I was in the Apple store the other day, just looking around and stuff like that. And and as I looked around, I thought to myself, you know, this is more like a club than a shop and than a store. Yeah. It just has the feeling of shared values of everybody being interested in the same thing. And it just felt like you can go in there and talk to like-minded people. And then you and I were having, I can't remember how this conversation came about, but we we decided that this podcast was going to be about tribalism and what does being in a tribe mean? Yeah. Because I'm not sure if I'm in a tribe with Apple or what's the difference. And so we're going to have this conversation that we started to have about, about tribes. From a technical viewpoint, what is the difference? What is a tribe? Tribes are kind of groups of people that are similar in some way or that are kind of connected in some way and they can be formal so so one form of a tribe might be the you know the nationality or race or ethnicity that you belong to those are all tribes but they can also be kind of informal so i think you're right that apple users can be kind of a tribe so people that are connected through use of a single brand or who are all employed by the same company or all who all have a similar hobby these are all informal tribes that we form. What's interesting about this, kind of from a scientific perspective, is A, that they exist, right? That people all over the world, all throughout human history, tend to form these groups, sometimes spontaneously. It's also interesting that we are so motivated by this, that we want to form these tribes, that we want to form these cliques and these groups. And it's important because we want to kind of belong, have a sense of belonging. It's also important, though, because we want to be different from other people. So just as important as there being a tribe is that there are other people who are not in the tribe. 
and a whole, there are rival tribes that you kind of set yourself up against. So that's kind of the foundation of what we want to talk about. As I was thinking about this over the last few days, there's a couple of other things that sort of differentiated it for me. So one was when you're in a tribe, you protect the tribe. Yes. So not going to get into talk about politics. Oh, I'm going to talk about politics. So <laughs> go ahead. You avoid those landmines, you tiptoe around them, and then I'm going to go stomping through the landmine field. As soon you as do it. Yeah. yeah, you do it. If one side is attacking you, you defend that side, even if you don't necessarily believe in what they're saying or or don't 100% believe in, in, in what they're saying. I was then starting to think about how is tribes different to segmentation? And the bit I came down on was going, if you're in a segment, you don't necessarily know you're in a segment, Okay. You know, a segment is based upon some of the same things as a tribe. So it could be shared behaviors, it could be common interests, it could be other things, but you just don't know that there is that group and therefore you're sort of being arbitrarily put into that group by by other other people. So there's definitely a difference between a tribe and a segment. And actually, if you can tap into the tribalism of people, because I think you're 100% right, it's evolutionary, then you really get some, really get some power. It's such an interesting point that you raised, because there are segments that become tribes, but certainly not all segments do. And so it would be interesting to explore what causes a segment to become a tribe and what causes people to leave tribes and to, you know, choose other tribes. Apple's an interesting example where people do, not everybody, but there are segments of people who own Apple products who do very much feel like they're a part of this community. There are other products that people buy where they have no affiliation with other people who own the same product. One example that I sometimes talk about in my classes, an acquaintance in college who owned a Harley Davidson motorcycle, and he joined a riding club. So these were other people who had nothing more in common than that they owned Harley Davidson. So he was in college, but there were other people in this group who were professionals, you know, who were older adults, just all these people who just owned Harley. And they'd, they'd meet up at the side of the road and have these kind of riding parties. They'd just say, all right, let's meet up at six o'clock at mile marker 15, and we're going to go riding for two hours. So they'd form these impromptu motorcycle gangs and they'd ride around. So that was kind of one form of instant tribalism. But there's this broader tribalism that comes along with owning a Harley Davidson where, so he pulled over to the side of the road to wait for one, his group one time and he was a few minutes early. And he said he was there for less than a minute. And another guy he didn't know on a Harley Davidson pulled up and said, hey man, is your bike okay? Do you need, do you need any help? And he's like, no, 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 I'm just waiting for some friends. And the guy said, all right, that's cool. And he drove off. He said he was there for two minutes more and another guy on a Harley pulled up. He's like, are you okay, man? Is your bike okay? Do you need any help? He was there for five minutes and three guys he didn't know on Harley's pulled over <laughs> to ask him if his bike was okay and if he needed any help. Sure. Like this is a, sure. a tribal instinct. We're going to take care of people who are in the tribe. If, you're, if your Honda Civic breaks down on the side of the road, nobody cares. There's no secret fraternity of Hyundai Elantra owners that are all looking out for each other but certain brands foster tribes we did some work with harley davidson years ago 
And one of the things that I always remember picking up from them was people don't buy Harley Davidsons for the bike. They buy them for the for the ability that a 40 year old accountant can drive into small towns and scare people. Yeah, that's the reason that they buy bikes. But it's interesting as you're saying that that I've just bought a Jeep. So you've experienced the Jeep wave. Yeah. Uh, it's really surprising. And, you know, the first time I'm driving down the road, why is that person waving at me? (laughs) (laughs) Is there something wrong with my car? I've only just bought this Jeep. Is there something wrong with it? And now I realise that I'm now part of this, and it's interesting you used the word earlier, community. So I'm now part of this community, and I didn't necessarily know I was joining it, but it's it's obviously become free. I get free waves. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, and it can be a real value add for your brand if people can become a part of this community just by by buying their their way into it through certain products it makes you wonder whether some of that is based around sort of adversity so if we go back to that sort of your your defensive of your tribe i was trying to think of you know so even in the early days of apple it was always apple against microsoft you know they were always the underdogs so whether it's sort of that underdog spirit, I was back in England recently and I went to a home game, soccer game, and we played a team called Millwall. Millwall's in the dock area of London or used to be in the dock area of London. And they've got a reputation for being a very, or the fans have got a reputation of being very hard, very hooliganistic, basically. Yeah, And one of the songs that they sing at the ground is we are Millwall, super Millwall. No one likes us. We don't care. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And when you think of a tribe, you know, that is definitely a a tribe. One of the classes I took in in graduate school, and the professor was uh, very, very well-known, very respected in, in both psychology and sociology. He was just giving an example, and he said, let me tell you about the the most reliable prediction I'm aware of in all of social science. And he was just illustrating some other point, but he said that the most reliable prediction is outgroup threat produces in-group cohesion. He says, this has just been shown over and over and over again. And, and it's exactly this idea. Like when you feel like your tribe is under some adversity, is being threatened in a physical way, obviously, but also in kind of an intellectual way or in a social way, that that then ties your group together. And so I I agree that I think that part of the reason that Apple produced a tribe in a way that Microsoft never did to the same extent was in part because they were for so long an underdog. And now they're not. Now they're the biggest company in the world, I think, by some measures. Everybody owns an iPhone. And yet, I think because of this cultural history, it still feels like a tribe. Now, I will say, I think that it feels less like a tribe now than it did 10 or 15 years ago or 20 years ago. Yeah, and I do think that comes with scale. It's not a tribe if everybody's in it. Yeah, and it's a bit like, have you, you must have heard of the Dunbar number. No, the Dunbar number. So the Dunbar number is a guy called Robin Dunbar, I think it was. He basically did a study on what's the optimum group size. Oh, interesting. And he basically found that the answer is something like 150. Oh, yeah. I don't I don't buy that research at all. For me, the optimal group size is like two, maybe three. 
more than that, I start to get very <laughs> uncomfortable. That goes to a, a podcast where you were talking about living for Black Friday in Alaska, doesn't it? I mean, we've all got our preferences. Please continue. Dun- Crazy guy Dunbar wants to hang out with 150 people. <laughs> So what he was basically saying, and I and I think it intuitively feels right, is that you could basically know 150 people. So if I think back to my career, I used to run call centers in a telecoms company. And as I was going up the ladder, different levels of responsibility, at one point I had around 150 people. And I knew virtually everybody, you know, I could say hello and, and call them by their first name and knew something about them, yeah? You know, when it got to, when I was running a team of 3,500, you just can't deal with that. You can't know 3,500 people. You start to go, well, what size is the tribe, basically? And if you move to now where Apple is, by definition, it can't be that large. And in fact, I think it was 3M, wasn't it? that used to build uh, businesses around between something like 150 and 300 people because they they thought that that was the maximum amount of people for it to become a sort of cohesive... To feel like a tribe. Yeah, to be like a tribe and therefore was the most productive group because once you got above that again, you tend to lose touch with people. I mean, that would certainly that would certainly kind of facilitate information transfer, I think, right? So if, if it, the group gets too big, then now information is going to start getting lost and not everybody's going to be fully informed. Training your frontline team on how to create memories in your customers by evoking their emotions. Beyond Philosophy's unique and proven training methodology, Memory Maker Training. Contact Beyond Philosophy by going to beyondphilosophy.com slash contact. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash contact. And, you know, the biggest issue that I've always found in, in organizations, in just human life, to be honest with you, is just communication. The lack of communications, and it's just surprising how people don't communicate. But here's, here's another thing I wanted to explore when we were talking about tribes, because, again, this is making me think over the last few days since our conversation, and that is loyalty. So customer loyalty, okay? Because you're clearly loyal to a tribe, okay? And, again, when we've talked about loyalty in the past, we've made the point that there's a big difference between loyalty and inertia, if you're in a tribe, it feels that you've got that loyalty already baked in, which is one of the reasons why you're willing to defend it and take things that are not necessarily, it's a bit like you've heard me talk about before, Stephen Covey, where he talks about the emotional bank account, you know, that somebody can do something to you that you don't like, but you still remain loyal to them. So there must be that a whole area of, of loyalty baked into that as well. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's much more like people can form relationships with brands and kind of with groups of employees. But if we think about what feels most natural to us as human beings, it's got to be this tribalism and feeling loyal to your community, to your group. And so to the extent that you can tie your brands to a group of other consumers that you're 
consumers all feel a connection to, we would expect that that would really ramp up the loyalty and that people would feel very loyal and motivated to it. And and this doesn't take a lot. They've run weird experiments where they've, they'll have people like draw slips of paper out of a hat. So you get like, you know, a group of 30 people together and everybody draws a slip of paper out and you say, okay, so you're the red group and you're the blue group. Um, and you're going to like play this game together or something. And people get tribal like right away. Like, you know, screw the blue group, we're the red group and we're the best. And then they'll even like pause halfway through and go, oh, you know what? We misassigned the slips. Half of you are are actually in the red group who thought you were in the blue group. So we need to reassort things here. Tribal alliances will switch immediately. Like now, now I'm part of the new red group and the new red group is the best group. It it doesn't take a lot. Like we, we feel this need to form these communities and to form these tribes. And it's very, very primal. Interestingly enough, I was, as you were saying, giving me that example, I was thinking about internet broadband providers. And I was thinking that I definitely would like to join another tribe. <laughs> well, the irony here is that probably all of the dissatisfied customers of your internet service provider are a kind of tribe. Like you guys, if, if there's a way for you guys to communicate to each, with each other and meet up, like that would be a powerful group because you all have similar experiences. It would all be against the company, but it would be a tribe. There's an interesting company in uh, the UK that provides a mobile phone, cell phone company called GifGaff. No, that sounds like literally the most British company I've ever heard of. <laughs> but they've got an interesting model in the sense that there are effectively four mobile phone providers in the UK, okay? And then there's a lot of other organizations that effectively use those mobile phone companies. So, you know, ostensibly there's like 15 or 20, but actually they're all, they're all using the same network. So same as in the States, really. And so the interesting thing for me about that is that the service is the same, Okay. So GIFGAF uses the O2 network, which O2s are like AT&T or uh, T-Mobile or whatever. But GIFGAF's customer experience scores are way above those of O2 because what they've done is they formed this sort of tribe or community. So when they make decisions that affect the customers, they get customers to vote on it in some way. I can't remember exactly how. I remember I was presenting at a conference and the CEO or or one of the founders were at the conference. But the interesting bit there is it's the same product, yeah, effectively. It's literally exactly the same network. Functionally, it's identical. Yeah, exactly. In England, we have a, a bank that we use called First Direct, and they were originally a telephone banking service. Now they've obviously gone to telephone and internet. I was presenting at a conference with the CEO and he was talking about, he had this slide up, I always remember it, had this slide up. It showed the ATMs, satisfaction with ATMs and it had NatWest and it had Lloyd's and it had, you know, all the other banks and they're all running at about 80%, something like that, satisfaction with ATMs. And then it had First Direct, and it was running at about 95%. You know, I've probably got these numbers wrong, but in terms of ratio, it's probably right. And and then the CEO said, and, and the interesting thing is, we don't have ATMs. <laughs> but one has never gone wrong. <laughs> no, but it then comes down to, is it that, that Heineken ad? You know, if they did, they'd probably be the best ATMs in the world. So it's all built around this perception. But I, I think it's that, 
it's that tribe bit again, which is if you're part of First Direct, everything about what they do is really good. <laughs> uh, and the fact that they haven't got ATMs, but if they did, they would be bloody good, you know. And, and the same applies with GifGaf, and, and the same doesn't apply with any other broadband company that I've ever dealt with. So, I mean, here's here's where I'm going to steer us back towards politics. You can go and hide under your desk if you need to. But one of the kind of cultural analyses that describe the place we're in in a lot of parts of the world right now politically is that we seem to be increasingly tribal uh, and we seem to increasingly be looking at everything through this political tribal lens. So, um, you know, you get major parties and I'm I'm not going to get political in terms of like poking it at any particular party because this is a pretty general human phenomenon at this point. But you've got parties who are abandoning some of their historical positions is happening in the US is happening in the UK, I know. And some of these tribal party affiliates seem to go along with it just fine. So, you know, we used to be very pro-trade and now we're anti-trade. Well, that's that's fine because this is the tribe and I agree with the tribe. It's even gotten to the point now where we're we're viewing news stories through this tribal lens. Like, like does this news story is this news story approved by the tribe or not, as opposed to is this news story factually accurate or not? Um, it's extended into consumption. So does this brand, would this brand be approved by my political tribe or not? I think it's dangerous. And that does have an effect, doesn't it? I mean, it, it has had an effect on um, on on sales of products. If somebody says something that, you know, that is uh, against one of the tribes, no matter which way it is round, I have to say it's interesting. And I also have to say it's worrying. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, it's, it's really dangerous because, you know, to your point about defending the tribe, a lot of times, especially in the political arena, it, it hasn't gotten this way yet for brands to the same extent. But it's much more about attacking the other tribe and scoring points in the other tribe than it is in terms of actually like doing good or actually accomplishing goals or moving the ball forward. So yeah, it's, it's worrying to me as well. Yeah. That said, Luton Town Football Club is terrible. Yes. Well, especially when we play Millwall, but as long as I turn up in my Jeep, I'm fine. Yeah. No, I have a new favorite English football club, Millwall, <laughs> all the way for me. Like that. <laughs> Yeah, no one likes us, we don't care. <laughs> That's the most self-aware chant I've ever heard. Beautiful. <laughs> it is. Okay, so usual question at this point. So what? What does this mean that people should do? So I, I think for me, tribes are really, really powerful, okay? And I think that if you're starting off, there is actually, I remember when Virgin Atlantic, the airline, started off, one of the things that they did was constantly attack British Airways because they were sort of this underdog. So everybody loves an underdog. So if you're starting off, then you can start creating a tribe and then you can start to look at it sort of from that underdog perspective. There's a big difference between tribes and segmentation, so don't get the two confused. But a tribe is exceptionally powerful. And you used the word earlier, community. 
community tribe i think there's there's an interesting correlation between the two there if you think about how organizations are starting to use communities to do their work for them i.e provide help services through forums and stuff like that so give some thought to what would it be that would make your tribe up you know what are the things that you want to be what are the things that you need to be the same what are the shared interests what are the lifestyles what are the habits that people have what are the how can you become a kindred spirit and how can you enhance all of that start to put that out as your brand and therefore get people to start to recognize that and join the tribe is is what i would suggest people take away from this i think that's great the question i would encourage people to ask themselves is do you have a strategy for tribes a strategy for encouraging customers to connect with each other i can give you a quick case study i i have a friend from high school actually who became the ceo of of scrapbook.com he helped found this company which is a a company that sells uh, paper crafts, supplies, papers, stamps, buttons, that kind of stuff. And one of their early strategic moves was to create forums where customers could talk to each other. So you could take pictures of the the paper art projects you'd been working on, and then you could post them and, and others could give comments and feedback. And that was a nice little kind of thing that they did to foster community. But they also, and I found this interesting, they ruthlessly policed it at the beginning to ban or to curb anyone who was really negative or snarky or you know tearing down other people's work. They said, that's, that's not our brand, that's not our community, and this is a, intended to be a, a supporting environment. And that became a major driver of the value of this whole brand that they created, was by specifically creating a tribe of people who had values that they found useful and inconsistent that they would support each other and and encourage them in their art therefore from what i'm taking out of that is being clear about what you can do and what you can't do yeah in this tribe exactly so yeah being very clear about those things which are which again i think is definitely reinforces it good okay so thanks very much everyone for listening today if you get a chance to do a review and be part of our tribe that would be absolutely wonderful. Just go on to wherever you get your podcast from and, and do a quick review for us. That would really help us, and that helps us get more people in the tribe. I hope that's enough links for a tribe. And, no, and if you're if you're listening to the podcast in your car, be sure to wave to other people who are listening to the same podcast in their car. <laughs> yeah, good idea, especially if it's a Jeep. So thanks very much for listening today, everybody, and we'll talk to you next week. Cheers. This has been The Intuitive Customer with Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton. But it doesn't end here. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast to find all of our shows, access free tools and resources, and subscribe, won't you? That way you'll never miss a show. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast. And we'll talk with you next time on The Intuitive Customer.